I'm Tia. I'm Lauren. And this is The Journey to Transformation. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. Is this our final Camp Quirky episode? It is. I'm really sad. Oh, that is really sad. Been on a journey across to the transformation. Camp- well, <laughs> across the Camp Quirky ecosystem. Life. Yeah, I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, ecosystem. Great word. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, I guess technically it's not our last one. Oh, because we are bundling another conversation we had about reparations into a bigger episode because we just feel like who doesn't want to talk about reparations for hours and hours? Yeah, definitely. And reparations like kind of fits into organizational transformation that we've been talking about before. And I think that's going to be a good conversation. I agree. So much to unpack there. I'm eager to see how you're going to make up for the centuries of disenfranchisement. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to come with like a long list and just kind of list things in bullet points and just kind of scroll it out all over the van. No, I'm going to come with a long list. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm also going to read what I could do and then maybe you can have like a checklist thing and like check it off. Right. I like the idea that you're going to do the work and then I'm going to check because I feel like so often in these conversations around like reparations, it's like black and brown people having to do all the work of saying what they want or how it's going to work. So I like it. I'll, uh, I'll do the work. I'll bring the list and then... Give you some nice colored pens and you can just kind of check through it. Okay. I can tell you right now that <laughs> pistachio gelato is on that list. <laughs> okay. I mean, homemade or? <laughs> okay. Tia's looking at me like that Depends. is a given. <laughs> Damn. Well. And I will say to listeners that cooking is not my strong point. So That's why, that's why I'm hesitating. <laughs> <laughs> it will be gelato jelly, probably. <laughs> gelato jelly. <and> pistachio <laughs> jelly. <laughs> That's a new thing, a new hybrid. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So maybe I'll just uh, seek that out from someone else. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So who did we talk to in this conversation? So this is the lovely Lindsay B, CEO, HBIC of Quirky Campers and its related initiative, Camp Quirky. And how great was it to be able to sort of capture her perspective on her thought process behind building the whole festival? It was really cool. I I really love it when people aren't afraid to talk about hard stuff. And that's one of the things that I really admire about Lindsay is that first off, the conversation that we had that's recorded is about half an hour long. We were speaking to her for an hour before that. Before she'd had her coffee, I think she'd kind of walked over to say hello (laughs) to us and we just roped her into a conversation about racism. Right. In our pajamas, potentially. (laughs) Well, it's a, you know, it's a festival. Everyone's in their pajamas. So it's the, it's the costume. It's the, it's the outfit of the times. And I really love being able to have these conversations that are, you know, sometimes they're awkward, but you know, I love an awkward moment. So it's just nice to have those. And it's nice to hear people reflect on the awkwardness or the discomfort or the challenges in a really real authentic way. And that's why I just loved that conversation. I totally agree. And I recall from that conversation, uh, me and Lindsay kind of cringing a lot because she brought up a lot of the discomfort that we don't often talk about when it comes to race, whiteness, diversity. And I have the same feeling that it was just really refreshing to hear those points come up. 
And also she said in that, when we were having the conversation that, you know, there's an awareness that she's part of the system. And sometimes that even acknowledgement, I think, is lacking in a lot of the conversations we have around this in our consultancy work too. So that again was like really, really great. And I think we could have carried on talking for a lot longer than we did on all of these things. I really want to caravan with her and just talk <laughs> about I just want to watch the two of you stew in your white guilt because it's hilarious. Yes. Not for you guys, but <laughs> it's really fun to watch. I mean, I do think of that as a kind of entertainment and therefore as a kind of reparation to me. So yeah. nice. Okay. You know. Yeah. I'll continue to to cringe in those conversations. I think whenever we're talking about reparations, we should be thinking about things that are of value to the person. And for me, humor derived from the discomfort of others. It's incredibly valuable to me. (laughs) I love it. I love it. The uniqueness of reparations. Exactly. There is one thing, I don't know if it's actually in the recording that I was reminded of the other day. I remember sort of mentioning to Lindsay and I can't remember how it came up. Do you remember when I said the blackboard thing? Oh, yeah. Uh, Where at school we weren't allowed to call it a blackboard anymore and it wasn't a whiteboard anymore. Did you have to call it a board of (laughs) colour? I don't think we were there yet. (laughs) It was like a chalkboard and an interactive board. And I just remember thinking that and and mentioning it to Lindsay and Lindsay being like, oh gosh, yeah, I've forgotten that. And then in my head, I was like, there's no wonder we we just have struggled to have these conversations when right back in the education system, we couldn't talk about race or Mm. we couldn't mention white, black or, or anything that was associated with race. And, and the negative connotations of that, but it was never explained in a way that you could feel, you know, okay, this is why it's being removed or not. Like, what was the decision made behind that? You just as kids were like, okay, we have to call it a chalkboard. There wasn't any conversation around it. So it was almost just like, a, yep, we don't talk about it out the window, but we're just changing the name. It's a bit wild to think about it as like, that's a way to mediate some of the challenges around difficult conversations, how to initiate them, how to, that was like, that sounds like that was the kind of the first steps. And, you know, we talk with Lindsay about many of the first, all the hundreds of thousands of first steps you can take, but it sounds like that was like, maybe not the best thought through, but a first step toward more inclusive language. (laughs) Well, yeah, maybe. And I I mean, yeah. And as a kid, you're not invited to have those kind of thoughts, or at least I wasn't when I was at school. So, you know. Do you feel like children are like, I mean, you don't interact with so many children. No. But (laughs) I wonder if children are having more complicated, complex conversations about race intersectionality although probably that's not the word that gets used with children but I hope so and maybe that's a conversation or an interesting conversation to have with a guest or someone about a child a child I think I that's right not- I'll get to bring it to- <laughs> yeah. I was like there are lots of kids in the playground let's not <laughs> hey little one. kid come into this white van <laughs> we want to talk about race yeah there's lots of things going on wrong uh. with that but, but yeah, I, I hope so. I really do hope so, because I don't remember having good conversations about that at school. But I feel like, I mean, this is just a guess, but I feel like when I hear about people talking about the conversations they have with their children around race, they're initiated and triggered by something horrible happening. And then it's a way to explain what that means and why that's happened, as opposed to a conversation that's not in a moment of... Yeah. Terror. Right. Fear. Strain. 
It's just, let's just talk about it because it's important to talk about it. But I also think that probably intersects with like parent, child, adult, young person dynamics where it's just very hard to talk about things anyways, because everybody's fucking wild. Definitely. And, And there must be some kind of difference if you are Birmingham high school and there is a huge amount of diversity or like me, you're in a rural high school, like me. 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> Not me so right where now. Where are you going with this? <laughs> or like when I went to school and it was a rural high school and it was, you know, 99.9% white. And I think, you know, I'm sure my friend Dan won't mind me saying he was like the only Asian in the school. <laughs> like, you Shout know. out to Dan. <laughs> Shout out to Dan. So yeah, I mean, there's also a huge disparity in that and then how it's delivered, I'm sure. I meant to say to you, well, I didn't mean to say to you. I meant to hold it in to tell you now. <laughs> oh, that's advice from the podcast show. Well yes, done. Thank you. Sorry, so for everybody, we went to the London podcast show. And because, you know, our podcast is growing. We're growing. We want to learn more. We want to get better. We want to make sure that the content that we're producing is good. We had some amazing conversations that we're looking forward to taking forward in our work. One of the pieces of advice that they gave is when you've got two hosts is to keep stuff from each other. So now Lauren and I don't speak in person. (laughs) (laughs) Everything gets written down, saved for later, then thrown out. So surprise. Okay. Okay. So Lauren and I have a very fancy place where we go to work. (laughs) Oh, are we telling everyone about that? (laughs) But I have to say in terms of co-working spaces for two people, it's the most affordable one, which is why we chose it. How weird is that though? It's weird. Okay, but, another conversation. But that's okay, weird. yeah. But anyways, I was sitting there doing my work and there were three women having a conversation and they were like, yeah, but if we only have like three or four black people, then we need to look at how that's a percentage of the total number of employees. And maybe we need some LGBTQ plus people in there. And so they were just no having this, way. this crazy conversation. And I was like, what is going on? And so I leaned over to, and it, it, it was an interesting conversation overall. Like they were having, well, I was sat there with, with this group of people for like three hours before I got involved in this conversation. Now, obviously I could overhear. Were they white? One was white. One was brown. One was light brown. Okay. And they they were just having this really like honest, real conversation. And I finally, I just leaned over and I said, I'm really sorry, but I'm on a deadline at the moment. So, and then one of them apologized and I was like, no, 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 no. I'm on a deadline. So I can't engage with this too much, but I'm just overhearing this conversation. And I just need to know what you all do for work. And why you're all together in this space. And they work for a major, major, major bank. Okay. A global bank. They're the team that are leading on the diversity and inclusion. Oh, that is so interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Oh my uh, gosh, did you get their numbers? I, d- I didn't get the numbers, but obviously I can find them in the registry. Yeah. Thing. But also one of them downloaded the podcast. So that's cool. Hey, shout out to you. You oh, know who you are. Well done. But that's a whole nother kettle of fish. How do you diversify in a massive global bank? Well, it was more just the, com- I mean, that's a good question. But the thing that interests me the most is how real this conversation conversation was happening where they were literally just like quantifying the number of black people that they had like in- <laughs> I was 
like, this is cool. Like nobody's getting offended. They were having like a real conversation about um, one of them was like, well, you need to create these platforms so that you're actually inviting people to do yada, yada, yada. Mm. It's just this like really frank conversation. But I was like, whoa, what is happening? Big up to more frank conversations in open spaces. I was really here for it. I was like, you know, I do some similar stuff and have similar conversations in my work. And so it was just, I was just finding it very fascinating. But they were like, yeah, how many of this? And if you say, and then they were going into stuff like the one drop rule. Ooh, what's that? The one drop rule is this very old kind of fucked up thing in the States where basically if somebody it was of mixed heritage, if you had any mixed heritage that was even remotely tan, that put you in the category of black, basically. And so they were talking about that. Like it was just this whole like wild, wide ranging conversation. Yeah, it was really cool. I was like, I want to engage with you guys, but I'm really fucking busy. But like how interesting that as part of the conversations we're having on this podcast and through our consultancies that we're hearing these other conversations happening in other spaces. I mean, banking to the podcast show and and diversity and inclusion in the podcast ecosystem to the van life ecosystem and, and the similarities across them in terms of how people are tackling it or not. We need to figure out what this word is. When you hear it once and then it's everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Pause. We're going to look it up. Excuse my pronunciation, but it's the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon, aka the recency bias or frequency illusion. It's a situation where something you recently learned about suddenly seems to appear everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) The good news is, is that now this is in the podcast. So we just have to remember which episode we set it in. Because I always want to refer back to this and I always forget what it's called. Yeah. Okay. Committing it to memory or re-listening to this episode. Yeah. Okay. I've committed to memory that it is in Lindsay B's episode. Okay. (laughs) Maybe there's something to that. Like maybe we're just noticing it a lot more. Yeah. Because we're having these conversations a lot more. It's just top of mind. But did you say frequency illusion? So it's not actually real. It's an illusion. Yeah. But isn't that that the thing? Like it's not real. You just happen to notice it more. It was always going to be there anyway. So it's about the noticing, not the frequency. Yeah. It's got a frequency illusion. So I think you think it's appearing more. But actually, it's not. It's it just, just noticing always, more. Yeah, it was. But even be if there. you, but if you're noticing it more, does that not still interact with the frequency of you noticing? Right. <laughs> but maybe that's where the recency bias comes in. It's more about like how recently you spoke about something, and then so you have a bias to what comes close to that. <laughs> I didn't know I'm no expert. <laughs> I've just read something on the internet. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, a lot of our expertise is derived from things we found on the internet. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. Don't tell our clients that. So back to Lindsay. Yeah, well, we went on a bit of a, a circle there. I think that's good. I mean, for the last one, we were talking about dongs and prostitution for a really long time before yeah. we got into the actual episode. So yeah. this feels like a yeah, place so, to be. So back to Lindsay. Van life and diversity. Having that conversation, the fact that with her team, she really reinforces this discussion and open, frank discussions about hard stuff. It feels like as a white person, she's doing all the work that I want white people to be doing. And acknowledging that she's asking really good questions, like how do you do this without being tokenistic? How do you address the fact that you need to take, yeah, one, two little steps before you get to step two, but actually... 
there's probably thousands of other steps before step two. And it's all really great questions and reflections. I just really like that she's thinking critically about her work and where she appears in the universe. I just like that. Yeah, and there's a lot to learn from how she's approaching it, I think, which we can listen to shortly. Indeed. So this is Lindsay B of Quirky Campers. I'm Tia. I'm Lauren. I'm Lindsay. So talk to us about diversity, inclusion in van life, because there's a lot of white people here. And one of the things that we love is the Diversify Van Life UK tent, which we think is a really, really special, different, unique initiative. How did you get here? Tell us everything. As we were talking about Camp Quirky, you know, it was just one of those like, oh my God, we could just have a Diversify Van Life tent. That was like the first kind of in was we've got it on Instagram. Let's make it a real thing. Let's make it a tent. Let's invite in speakers. And let's also have it just being on the bill. The idea was that people would hopefully start to go, oh, huh, maybe this is a place for me. Feels like there's so many step ones. That's the thing I really struggled with. Everything is step one and none of the step ones can be taken before another step one is right. taken. I mean, what is step two? What is, exactly. Once, I think basically once all 1500 step ones have yeah. happened, we'll be done. You know, because it's like if there aren't, I was saying earlier, we were combing Instagram. I mean, it sounds absurd. But we were. We yeah. were combing Instagram for diverse people who weren't living in vans or had vans. And they might all be out there and just not on Instagram. That is yeah. also a possibility. Yeah. I have to start combing like yeah. park ups. And yeah. <laughs> no, that's creepy. Park yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so to all the black and brown people, if you are in the woods and you see a van <laughs> with Lindsay in it creeping around you, don't worry. She's just uh, doing a census <laughs> for all the right reasons. For all the right reasons. Don't be worried. Don't call the police. <laughs> how do you also start knowing we were so early on our journey how do you start without it being tokenistic right and I was Mm -hmm. like we don't want to be inviting people and saying oh this is a really like safe welcoming place so we've created this thing and then for them to turn up and to be the only one or you know whatever I mean I'm still going round and round in circles but (laughs) what it allowed us to do was at least start to think about what topics we'd like to address and what speakers we'd like to invite and who else we could collaborate with and so what is cool is everybody who's coming to speak is connected with the whole world out there right yeah, so we yeah. were Winnie Poti that the talk we were mentioning you know so she's doing incredible stuff with getting black people swimming yeah and Amira who unfortunately had to cancel because she wasn't well is doing amazing things with Muslim women hiking and amazing. so we're like it's great to be starting to make those connections yeah. and collaborations it's a big task ahead of you right it's yeah. a really big task and I think it's okay to have a million firsts that you start and that you realize maybe aren't tracking or you get a few you you take a few steps and I don't know Lauren's smiling at me because I'm the like complete disruptor of our she's usually the big transformer is like one to ten but this is good yeah (laughs) and uh yeah Lauren's the incrementalist so I'm like destabilize the whole thing no more white people like that's what you need to do um but in this instance I feel like there's there's space for the journey I started I started when I was planning I was like Okay, I'm not sure how, but we're just going to approach all these people individually. And then I think like half the field is basically going to be black and brown people. And like, first one, everyone's going to be like, oh, wow, van life's changed. And then that's it and we'll be done. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, that's such a like... (laughs) I love the ambition. I love it. I love the ambition. I love the ambition. But like, where does that start? Because you were saying that, right, you were looking around you and you were seeing that it wasn't representative of where you live, where you work your values weren't reflected in the demographic spread. 
Is that something that's unique about you as an individual? Because I feel like that's still kind of a unique thing, right? To have an awareness of something first off, and then to decide you want to do something about it. Like you were talking to us a bit before about like the journey that you started mm. and this kind of awakening mm. that part was spurred on by your mom. Mm. Shout out to the mums. Yay. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I think she started on the journey before me and... I mean, she's done some really cool stuff. She's also runs a business and her business happens to have been very profitable. And so she's been finding ways, basically focusing on a kind of reparations angle, Amazing. And finding a way to give away all the profits to individuals, organizations kind of working, particularly in Bristol, where we live, working in that space of representation, arts, equality, that kind of stuff. I think she might, it might her entry point was either Akala's book, or why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. And then I picked up that book, I think it was in 2017. And it was so eye-opening. Mm. And I'd always thought that I was like, basically, I, I mean, it's the classic thing. I was somebody who was not racist. And that was the book that, that made me realise I was racist and <laughs> turned me into an anti-racist. And after reading that book, you know, get ah, oh, just this whole journey is so full of like classic white people things, isn't it? I was like, Oh no, this is wrong. I'm going to fix it. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. <laughs> oh, I feel so guilty and I want this discomfort to go away. <laughs> Lindsay and Lauren are vibing on the yeah, like, really. Feel the cringiness inside oh, me. Oh my God. And how can I prove that I'm not like the other ones? That was a really big one. And so. They're so, racist, not me. Yeah, not yeah, me. yeah. And like, I mean, literally, like wanting to just let individual brown people know I'm not. Racist. I'm not like those ones. Anyway, so there was. We're just huge... approaching people at the supermarket. Look, I promise they might be racist. I'm not. It's okay. <laughs> Practically. Practically. I love this. I found myself just grinning at black and brown people. Just like, oh God. Meanwhile, I'm... they're like, um, that white lady yeah. is crazy. Crazy. And I'm slightly scared. And I might just tell security. I probably shouldn't be admitting any of this out loud. I, I love it. I love it. I love these honest reflections on the journey. So, so much of the journey was about sitting on my hands actually, mm. and sitting with the discomfort yeah. and going, if anything I come up with now is going to be baseless, right? It's going to have mm. no foundation. Yeah, I have to come to terms, first of all, with the fact that this is not going away tomorrow. Second of all, with the fact that I am part of this system and structure. And then third of all, the other thing I was talking about earlier that whatever I try and do, I'm going to get it wrong a hundred times and I'm going to have to be able to sit with the shame of mm. that and the pain of that and the discomfort of that. And until I'm ready to do that, I can't do anything, right? Because the worst thing is if you try and do something, you get it wrong, you get called out and then you get defensive. And it's yeah. like, that to me seems worse than, I don't know, doing nothing. Yeah. So I had to get to that place first. Not that I'm there necessarily. Like, <laughs> it's still excruciating. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm finished. I'm complete. That's and a dangerous place to be. I want to meet a white person that's like, I'm done now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to meet that person. <laughs> yeah. So that was like the first very long part of the journey. Yeah. So then it was just like figuring out where I do actually have some leverage. And so there's a few different places that is. So as an employer, I have leverage in hiring people. I also have leverage in kind of creating a workplace where everyone feels that they can be themselves and be accepted. And I don't have a very much choice about who rents out their vans to us or who our customers are, although yeah. I can obviously mm -hmm. offer that representation and yeah. like make it more appealing. But then with the festival, it really felt like somewhere that 
possibly we could make a bit of a change. And maybe that that was, I mean, there are 150 step ones, but maybe this is the step one Mm. that we just start to shift the makeup of the festival. And then maybe that trickles out into... Oh, that little old step one. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but I'm really like, you're like, wow, this is a sea of white people. I'm like, but there's so many brown people in here. Haven't you noticed? I mean, this is when I walk through, I do see, I'm seeing more than I expected. And I am counting. I'm keeping track. But then there was somebody and I Literally was Literally like, counting. Yeah, I'm actually counting. How many are we on? I've counted eight. No. I've counted eight. I'm, I could tell you about more than eight. There's probably more. <laughs> I, I counted eight, but then there was one who yesterday I was like, oh, I can't tell because it's far away and I don't have my glasses on, but that could be the same one I counted yesterday. Yeah. But then I was like, oh, am I just saying now all black people look the same? Am, <laughs> am I allowed to say that as a black person? I didn't. So I had my own little, <laughs> you know, these internal conversations oh are for God. everyone. They are indeed. <laughs> like, it may not be cool, but it's, but it's real. But it's real. <laughs> it's so real. And as I was saying to you earlier, you know, like me and Lauren, this has been an agenda for the longest time. And so we do, we sort of have a little huddle and we're like, but did you see that couple over there? And like, did you see that guy? I mean, we had a black guy leading the yoga session, which yeah, felt like. Yeah, we we went. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. Yeah. Normally I don't like to see a bunch of white people circled around a black person. But in this instance, I thought it was really good. I was like, look, there are. Oh, he's captivating the audience. And they were so quiet. Did you notice that? Yeah. They were just quiet and listening and doing what he said. Very cool. But here, as as a brown person at this festival, how have you felt sort of coming here and integrating with van life? Yeah, I feel really good. I think that the thing that people want to talk about is the van. So like mm-hmm. that's your universal starting point. And mm-hmm. I don't think in average normal society you have a thing like that. Because like if white people walk up to me and start trying to talk to me about <laughs> stuff, I'm like, ah, what do you want? <laughs> get, get out of here. Scat. <laughs> but in this instance, you have a kind of common passion, which yeah. means that almost so many things are broken down from that. So like mm-hmm. all the barriers to normal everyday interaction that you'd have in an, in a different place are kind of gone here, yeah. which is fascinating from a cultural perspective as well, because all of the things that I notice as an American living in the UK about like British society and British people all immediately have collapsed. <laughs> For example, lovely British couple were just chatting to me earlier and they were like, oh, you should come and like go and take a shit in our van because we've got this incinerator. And I'm like, this is just the weirdest dynamic. Like as an American, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's yeah, fine. But I'm like, well, how is this happening? I don't really associate these things with like British life, British people. But there's something about, I don't know what it is. And this is the thing I really want to get to the heart of at some point is there's something about van life culture where like everybody's just really chill and open open and want to chat to you. And like, if I walked up to people, so we've got a sign on our board, we've got a board here. And one of the questions that's on the board is what's your guilty pleasures do you have in your van? And if I walked up to somebody on like the high street and just was like, hey, what guilty pleasures do you have in your house? (laughs) We get smacked. Um, But here I was just walking up to people and asking them and they were telling me and genuinely telling me stuff. And I was like, amazing. (laughs) But maybe it's because you're opening your home, literally. You're being like, here's my home. Yeah. Look at it, you know? And Is this what we need in everyday society? Do people just leave their front doors open? (laughs) I mean, I've tried it. It's working great for me. (laughs) And uh, so Lindsay's address in Bristol is... (laughs) But it's, I don't know, I I feel really welcome. I don't feel, I'm attuned to awkwardness. One, because I thrive off of it. Two, (laughs) (laughs) 
I want to create it. I want to like take it. I'm just, it fuels me. And I just don't feel any of that. I don't mm. feel that. I feel like, you know, we've been walking by and have people just say, oh, come and join us. People yeah. are having their campfires. And even when I'm walking around by myself, or normally I, I, Lauren walks around with me and I feel a little bit of a layer of protection. Thank you. <laughs> so usually if I need a question asked, I'm like, Lauren, go ask, go ask that question. <laughs> I'm like, it's the least you can do. You owe me. Go ask. But, you know, just walking around, having conversations with people, it's just mm. a really so amazing great. environment. Yeah, I love it. And it's hard. Like, it's hard not to be really effusive and really emotional about it because mm. I don't see black and brown faces in the outdoors. I'm an avid camper. I mm. love being outside. I rock climb. I hike. I love being outdoors. And I think it's just such a restorative place. And it does make me very sad that there aren't more black and brown people because I just think this, I feel healed when I'm outside. And I think that this is a really healing environment. And there's something about, it's almost like there's just a kind of a wall Mm. of all the societal bullshit kind of goes away the second you just cluster a bunch of people who live in vans, who have like wild quirky vans, quirky (laughs) campers. I don't know. It's weird. It is weird how talking about <laughs> toilets or your 12 volt <laughs> electrics <laughs> appears to transcend <laughs> exactly absolutely you know and this is this, everything goes away I don't know I was talking yesterday about like how weirdly comforting it is to stand next to somebody with a sawdust filled cup <laughs> knowing that you're both gonna toss that over your shit next to each other in a little cubicle like <laughs> it does transcend all boundaries exactly it's something that I'm cup so, of matters I'm, I'm, I am really intrigued by it because obviously this is what we've had the last two events and we keep going is it just that people who have vans are nice? Is it because we're all here with our vans to talk about? Because we obviously want to get to the bottom of it to make sure we don't ever lose it. And like, is it limited to a specific size? Yeah, so if you could just let us know what the key is <laughs> to make sure we never lose it. Because we kept thinking maybe it's just something to this very, you know, whatever. Specifically in 2019, there was a whole set of circumstances that meant that everybody yeah. was feeling so comfortable and friendly and everyone made friends with each other. And yeah, so I'm really intrigued. I don't know. What the recipe is. I think it's something with the love of outdoors. I think there's something to the creativity that you need. I was really sad a couple of weeks ago because I was like, Lauren, I don't think the van's quirky enough. It's just, it's a bit plain. Like, I just need something to like, and Lauren was like, paint the ceiling, paint a mural on the wall. And I was like, I just, I don't know. <laughs> but I think there's something to this idea that you take a thing that is a thing, right? And you change it into something else. And that requires creativity. That requires a type of person who mm. wants to, one, cruise around the world in a yeah. vehicle. Two, take a, an existing vehicle and turn it into a wild place to live. Like, I think there's just yeah. something about the people that it naturally would draw. And you've kind of letting go of something, aren't you, as a person? If you're going to live in a van, if you're going to travel around, you're letting go of like a lot of baggage, mm-hmm. a lot of things that maybe held you down. Yeah. So maybe there's like a freedom in that as well that you're kind of bringing to the people you meet. We spoke to some people the other day and I was like, yeah, why is everybody so cool? This is the commission in my van people. I was like, why is everybody so cool? Like, I'm really curious. And they were like, well, you know, we all just want to be free. And I was yeah. like, yeah, like, let's just be free people. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's just something yeah. to that. Like, everybody kind of just wants the same thing. And yeah. you can kind of anchor around that same thing, no matter mm. what 
I, you know, I, I haven't had any interesting political conversations with anybody yet. I'm very curious and would love to have those conversations. Mm. So come find us. But I just feel like it almost just kind of like the other things are so much bigger that they sit right on top. Like yeah. fundamentally, I want to be in a weird camper van. Yeah. I want to be outside. I yeah. want to be a free person. Yes. I want to like live my creative self. And I want to see your camper van. And I want to yeah. see you. <laughs> I want to nerd out about camper vans <laughs> yeah, for the yeah. next hour. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's a great recipe, I think. <laughs> Maybe we practice together. It. That's it. Well, I also try and make sure that I only hire the most gorgeous of people. And so I do kind of like to think that there's like a little hub that's just like spraying out good vibes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You might nice. not see them. You might not know who they yeah. are, but they're just like shedding good vibes wherever yeah. they go. We yeah. have seen them just like butterflying around, <laughs> just being wonderful, gorgeous human beings. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And maybe there's something to that, right? It's like bringing the right people together too. Cause there's, mm. there's only so much control you have over, as you said before, over the people who come mm. to the festival. But Festivals, atmospheres are built by people. And that starts by the atmosphere that you create in the conception of the festival in the first place. So some of the stuff that I've heard you talk about is like making sure that it's a welcoming place mm. and that people, particularly black and brown people, feel that they are welcome, feel that they are safe. But then also feeling like it's a space that you want to prioritize diversity and you want that featured. So I think there's a kind of important things that you create the foundation as you were sort of saying before you create a kind of base that means that everything gets built off of it and you're just sort of waiting yeah. for it to and people unconsciously feel that like you um, said it's kind of echoing around us even if it's not written down for them they're feeling all of that and i thought it was interesting and they're just going back to the black can swim talk winnie did it was really interesting because you know, Laura and I were having a conversation about like, if you didn't know, if your social awareness was like at the starting point of your own individual journey, I realized that was a bunch of like liberal wash that I just said, <laughs> then would you know what that event meant or what that was about? And I found it really interesting because I was the only brown face in there and it was about oh. this and, there was, and, it, and it wasn't a massive group of people, but everybody else was white and it was almost like a conversation. It almost turned into like a little panel discussion between Winnie and I about, because she was like, well, when did you learn how to swim? Okay. And, like, <laughs> and then it was just this really interesting conversation between, I think, some people, particularly somewhat older people who were like, well, isn't this just a given? And how come you didn't learn how to swim? And why aren't you caught? I do know how to swim, everyone. Don't be worried. <laughs> I think it was just this... In those spaces, there was almost a leveling of like being able to have these conversations mm. together, mm. which you may not have necessarily been able to have if it was a bigger talk. So in some ways, I think Winnie didn't seem particularly phased that it wasn't like this packed thing. Mm. And in some ways, I feel quite grateful because, mm. you know, people were able to have conversations with each other. We sat in a circle. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Mm. It was really nice. So maybe even the smaller pieces where people can connect more. Yeah, it felt mm. more comfortable to be able to throw out questions. That's yeah, interesting. And maybe yeah. it was a really transformational experience for yeah. all the people who were there. Yeah. Much yeah. more, you know, and maybe that's the thing rather than sort of tapping the surface of many more people. Yeah, yeah really good point. Yeah. yeah. What are your ambitions for next year based on sort of the diversity inclusion, how it's yeah. gone, what yeah. step two, three, four? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, we're, we're still on all the step ones, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, as we touched on briefly, we have definitely considered the idea of a specifically a diversified van life little camp out. Nice. Where we would just come together and again, just kind of an opportunity to invite people to something and say, this is like specifically for you for to really start to make like connections and deep relationships. Yeah. Because that's the other thing is that the black and brown people who live in their vans that we have been in touch with 
have all said, I have not met a single other black or brown person in a van. <laughs> hey, wow. Yeah. So even just like finding a space for people to network and get to know each other and start a WhatsApp group. Also, because me and Lauren are like, God, they all look really fun. Can we be their friends? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're fun. <laughs> so that's one thing. And then, yeah, next year, I mean, I haven't even processed what has happened yet this year. So, yeah, there's, so, this year yeah, there's so much of that to yeah. do. I just want to see so much more diversity and to do, as I was saying, we, we've kind of tried to make sure that we integrate it into everything, but there's so much more yeah. to do on that. So that would be the key thing. But I would also love to have at some point, maybe, I guess you always say the goal would be that would eventually we wouldn't have a diversified van life tent, right? Because <laughs> yeah. the whole festival would be so diverse. But that is yeah. a way down the future. So yeah. I'd like that tent to be packed around with loads of great speakers. Yeah. I want it to be also like a really sort of social space where people yeah. are nice. gathering throughout the weekend and yeah. making those links and connections that they can then take out into life. So yeah. they're planning a convoy or a meetup or whatever, but that it's just... I mean, it is. It's a it's a visual thing. I want I want it to look different. Yeah. I want it to look different. I want it to look mixed. I want it to look more representative of the rest of yeah. Well, I was going to say the rest of the UK. Maybe not the rest of the UK. The rest of Bristol, yeah. at least. <laughs> Bristol, where I come from, <laughs> where we have a mix of people. Yeah. And I think that there's just I, I think that that ambition is a really beautiful one. I mean, you know, I haven't done the research on this, but I, it almost feels like people accept that as it's not a primary goal or it's not a goal that people generally are working towards like, oh yeah, it'd be nice for things to be more diverse, but it feels very much in it for me that you all are making an active, mm. you're actively on this work, on this journey. And I'm very, I give you a brown person sign off. It's fine. <laughs> oh. that you've, you know, the, everybody gets little stamps. So you get stamp. <laughs> Thank you. And, <laughs> and I think it's fine that there are like a million different first steps because mm. it's not, you know, if we could, if we could fix this stuff overnight, we all would, but it's just, it's hard. It's, it's so many different points. Like, how do you get people, you know, this is predominantly camper vans. There's some tents around. You can rent them. You can have your own. But automatically, there's still a barrier there in terms of cost. Yeah. If it's not in a location that's relatively convenient for you to get to, there's that. Yeah. You know, we've now got petrol prices, which are yeah. absolutely wild at the yeah. moment. So there's, I think there's just a lot of ways. But I am comfortable with the choices that you're making in terms of... It's <laughs> <laughs> good to know. Because obviously, everything that you do, it's like, is this... Is this tokenistic? Is it, yeah. I don't know, is it exploitative? Is it creepy? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when you were looking through the window of the van earlier, I, I didn't want to say anything. Uh, <laughs> but I think, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Maybe I'm spending too much time with Lauren, but am, am I starting to get to a place where I'm like, okay, with a little bit of like tokenism as a way to getting to something bigger? Like, does everything have to be like a little bit is every first try just a little bit superficial because you don't know or you're trying to figure it out? And is that okay? Like, how can you have like intentionality and deep, meaningful action off the bat if that's mm. not like, I, I don't even know that I could do that. And I live mm. in this life. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know that. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the representation bit. Does that come first? Like having, you know, one black person on a panel to get to a more meaningful place. And we don't want that to be the end point. Yeah. So maybe that's the difference between it being tokenistic and not as long as that's not your end goal. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and maybe also because that's not the only thing that we're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. That, if we literally were exactly. like, okay, well, we've got one 
one black person speaking, so that's cool. We're done. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've done diversity. (laughs) Diversity. Smashed it. (laughs) So basically, we're being tokenistic, but in loads of different places. So I think when you add it all together. Ten tokenistic actions because one authentic action. (laughs) That's a good measurement. I've said it here. In the world. Stamp of approval. Yeah. So I think we just, and like you say, the, the having of the conversations is so important. So long as we never feel like we've done enough, maybe it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe if, if feeling like you're always having to do more, can mm. do more, want to do more, maybe that's it. Yeah. Maybe it's just the energy that you bring into it. And and I think that's one of the things that I really admire in terms of you as, as a boss, 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 <laughs> is that you're you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about is leadership and how important it is for leaders to set the tone and set the space and, you know, create and cultivate environments where people can talk about it, feel comfortable talking about it, feel comfortable saying the wrong things Mm -hmm. and being awkward around Mm -hmm. it. You know, like I have people in my life who say some wild shit to me and I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, that's a little bit of a racism. So <laughs> let's just take one step back and just talk about that for a second. And just having like spaces where it's open to do things like yeah. that without judgment. Because, you know, I know, I know it's hard for you guys. <laughs> I know it's hard. You're well intentioned. You're, <laughs> you're, you're good people. You want to be good white people. And We're I know it's so hard. hard. <laughs> I know it's really hard. I get it. I see it. I see the struggles. Yeah. But yeah, you bring a humility to it. And as hmm. you said before, you're prepared and you know that you're going to fail at mm-hmm. it and I think that's so admirable as a leader right yeah like, absolutely you know if we see so many leaders with egos that just cannot accept the fact that you know they might fall off a cliff so yeah okay yeah, yeah I mean me and Lauren had to have that conversation early on mm. where you know because we were having all these open conversations about race I was like I know I'm going to get it wrong. I know I'm going to say the wrong thing. And I just really need you to know that it's okay to call me out. And that when you do call me out, I might really wish it away. And I might spend time (laughs) internally justifying it, but I won't put that on you. And that is a decision that you can actively make. I can be like, I'll go and do my processing elsewhere and I will learn something from it, even though I know it will be excruciating because you can't, pretend that it's not going to be excruciating either and she was like oh no I don't think you will you know like I think you're you've really educated yourself and you're you're not going to say something racist I was like I'm definitely going to say something racist like let's just let's just accept that now (laughs) and make sure we've thought about the next steps yeah because yeah there is you can't you can't start without being prepared to be wrong like there's just nowhere to go then if because then all you're doing is trying to prove that you've yeah. already got it and then you can't grow and then you can't try things out and you can't make mistakes it, yeah. Just, yeah. it almost makes it too far to fall then yeah like if you're just yeah. like i'm done yeah and you can never walk back from that place yeah. Yeah. and i think you know th- one of the things that i really like about what you said is just about being comfortable in the shame spiral mm. and or thank being, you Brene. Uh, yeah exactly <laughs> we talk a lot about Brene brown thank you <laughs> i think that that's really hard mm-hmm. because it's being comfortable being uncomfortable mm-hmm. sitting in shame sitting in fear and uncertainty it's a really admirable place because one of the things that i always hear is is well nobody's perfect like, well, I'm not asking you for perfection. No. We had a very similar conversation the other day. I'm like, I don't need you to be perfect. I just need you to like not be a dick. And mm-hmm. if you are a dick, just to hear me when I say, look, you're being a dick and yeah. it's not cool. And that's it. Like, it's like <laughs> the simplest thing. But it's, I think being able to just be like, it's going to feel 
fucked up in me and it's going to feel painful and uncomfortable and I'm going to process that out of sight. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's where you go do it, white people. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I've really enjoyed this conversation because I feel like you're doing stuff that I want a lot of people to be doing. You're cultivating environments where it's safe, it's comfortable for people to be wrong about race, to be uncomfortable about race, and to ask and to be open. And I really like that. And I love that you've got this ambition about creating a festival that's for everyone and that you're actually taking steps to do that and big active steps. And it's hard. I don't know. I can't give you any answers to this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I know that you came here. You're like, there's a, oh, there's a cheese brown. Me She'll tell me what to do. <laughs> I think that you're doing all of the stuff that that we would want to see. It's just now mm-hmm. about how other people are brought into it, and you know, now is the work of the other people as well mm-hmm. because you can't create space as much as you want. You know, if you build it, they will come. Is Nice to say, but that doesn't necessarily mean it because now there's some structural pieces that I think have to do with things that are bigger and broader than what Quirky Campers and Camp Quirky is and can be. But I like the fact that you're making really concerted, strong steps as a team to open the space to people. It's great. Thank you. That really uh, means a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Means more coming from me than from us. Yeah, I don't don't really (laughs) care what Lauren thinks about it, to be honest. (laughs) It's all about what you think. I'm telling you, it stamps. stamps (laughs) Actually, I'm going to carry around a sticker book, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Just as brown person approved. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, I'm often given Lauren like hall passes too, because I think one of the things that you struggle with, which I find hilarious, and you probably find very challenging is the extent <laughs> to which you can challenge black and brown people when you don't agree with them. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a complicated one because it's, I mean, yeah, it's because it's not just, a. I mean, there are other things, race, gender, other things I might disagree with, but the race that intersects with that, then how do I challenge that in a space whereas i'm like lauren it's fine they're being stupid <laughs> yeah, just yeah, because they're round yeah. doesn't mean you need to defer to them <laughs> i mean yeah that's a Unless super awkward place to be yeah it's another another journey yeah. <laughs> i'm on that one right now <laughs> so yeah i've been giving lauren little passes so that she can i'm like this you're okay to critique this person yeah okay it's fine it's fine <laughs> very famously the episode on stephen bartlett <laughs> yeah i know well i really enjoyed that and I was like oh I wonder if I can take one of those passes yeah I'll give you I'll give you a handful you just have to uh, consult with me first so I don't know what you're doing or you're you're Lauren as well yeah Yeah, I'll ask her yeah no she does she She probably has her own passes as well oh yeah yeah. I mean I think she okay good (laughs) she's definitely given me some (laughs) we all get them we can give them out uh, (laughs) amazing well yeah I have had a fantastic time in this conversation. Me too. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how it progresses. We want to stay in touch and we really want to see how it goes. Thank you so much for being here and having this conversation unexpectedly before I've had my coffee. (laughs) It's been really interesting. I really appreciate you having me talking through my awkwardness and (laughs) all of my embarrassing moments in this journey. And um, yeah, we're where we're hoping to get to. Amazing. Thank you. Well, I'm Tia. I'm Lauren. I'm Lindsay. And this has been the Journey to Transformation, the Camp Quirky Edition. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Journey to Transformation. Leave us a five-star rating and a written review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Journey to Transformation is written and edited by us, Tia Rogers and Lauren Burrows. Our music comes from Praz Canal.